Hi, and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie, and in each episode, I, along with my co-presenters and guests, will help you connect with and protect our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I speak to Debbie Bassett, Nature Scott's climate change and COP coordinator. We discuss climate change, COP15 and COP26, and what you can do today to make space for nature. Climate change is something that happens and has happened um, for millennia. Um, the climate does change slightly. And uh, I kind of think of it as like, um, I don't know if people remember, your granny might have had a, an old pair of scales that kind of balanced. And I kind of think of it like that. You know, it's a fine balance between the things that we emit and the things that nature soak up. And unfortunately, we've tipped the scales so that we're emitting far more than nature's able to soak up. And so one of the actions that we're really focused on in Nature Scott is repairing nature, looking after nature better, so it can soak up more carbon and rebalance, rebalance those scales so that the climate all works together like it has done for millennia. So the two are really so strongly linked, aren't they? Climate change um, and, well, biodiversity loss as well. They're, they're very much... Uh, linked aren't they absolutely and when you think about it when when you, you think about school and how you learn about evolution you know with nature has evolved alongside climate since the beginning of time you know it's a coupled relationship you you can't separate them they're absolutely interlinked and so the solution to both the climate challenge and the nature biodiversity challenge is interlinked the answers are doing the two things together. And the more we can do for nature, the more nature can do for us. And, and that's, you know, really what we're trying to get out of the big conference that's going to happen in Glasgow um, is to really make sure that we, um, we appreciate what it is that nature can do. Um, but we also understand the role that we have as, as citizens, as people in Scotland. What can we do to help nature help us? Okay, and you just um, mentioned uh, the big conference. So we've got, we hear a lot about COP15 and COP26. So can you um, give us a wee bit more information about both of these, please? So COPs are conventions of the parties, which is a rather sort of um, ambiguous title, I suppose. But they're United Nations meetings. And these bring together all the leaders across the world to agree on, on big topics that we need to sort out globally. So the first one is going to be what's called COP15. So that's one focused on biodiversity. This is the world leaders coming together to understand what we need to do for nature across the world and agreeing together what our goals will be for 2030 and 2050. And then in November, so the following month, um, then we'll have COP26. Now, the exciting thing about COP26 is it's going to happen here in Scotland, in Glasgow. This is the biggest international summit that the UK has ever hosted. This is a big deal. You know, we're really, we are going to be the centre of the world for 14 days. The whole world will be looking at Glasgow and, and seeing how we can help negotiate what the big climate change targets need to be going forward. Um, and in and around all that, we need to think, well, what is it that Scotland has to do and what can Scotland offer? So part of our role around the conference is not just to encourage the politicians to be ambitious about their targets, but it's also to show the role that Scotland can play in helping the world deliver those targets. So, for example, 
peatland restoration. We're a world leader in peatland restoration and peat bogs are amazing at soaking up carbon if we only look after them. And unfortunately, we haven't looked after them very well. But we're learning how to do that we're, and we're rolling that programme forward with a lot of support from government in terms of funding. Um, and we're sharing that with, with partners across the world, with other nations that have got a lot of peat too. So there's things that we can share, things that we can demonstrate that Scotland are real world leaders in. And in terms of restoring nature, peatlands, it's, it's at Scotland. This is where you need to come to see peatland restoration. Debbie, we hear a lot about you know sort of doom and gloom type messaging with uh, climate change because it is a big scary topic and uh, and everyone sometimes get can become a little bit frightened hearing about um, how bad things could get. Do you feel optimistic that we can make big changes to to improve everything? I do. I mean, I, I feel that too. I've just read the most recent report from the in. It's a governmental panel on climate change, and and that is pretty doom and gloom. It's pretty scary stuff. Um, but do you know what? We know what we need to do. It's not as though we're in a position where we're clueless, where we don't know what the actions are. We absolutely know what the actions are, and we've got plans in place. What we need to do is really make sure those plans are accelerated, because what the reports have told us is that things are going to get worse faster. So that means our action to stop that needs to be quicker and bigger and better. It's not that we don't know what to do. We just have to scale up what we need to do. And that's what this conference is going to be around in Glasgow. We really need to, we've got until the end of this decade. And I know that sounds like really melodramatic. Um, And I am a a positive person in Outlook. You know, that's how I am. But I, I really do believe we really do have up until the end of this decade to get it sorted. And, uh, But, you know, we know what we need to do. And and it's really important that the public make it clear to politicians that that's what they want so that the politicians feel, you know, ready to really take on that big ambition um, of of what we need to do. Um, But looking after nature is really one of the key things that we can do and we should do. And then nature can, you know, that they can do it can do the heavy lifting. Um, it can carry on doing all this for us while we're asleep, while we're watching a film, while we're eating our dinner. You know, it's carrying on as long as we're looking after it. Do you have some examples that, that people might not know about that, you know, things that nature can do to, to help get us out of this? Well, I think, you know, nature's got a whole load of things it can do. It can, it can keep carbon in the ground. So soils are really important. And even though we talk about peat, it's only one type of soil. There's lots of different sorts of soils in Scotland. So looking after our soils that grow our crops, looking after the soils in our gardens, not covering our soils with paving slabs and concrete and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of things that we as individuals can do. So we need to think think about soils. It's that kind of hidden carbon store um, that, that we don't always think about. And then also we need to think about, um, you know, making more space for nature in our lives physically in our gardens, in the spaces around us, um, encouraging our councils, local authorities and and people that maybe manage business parks or wherever your offices or buildings are to just include nature a bit more in how they manage land. Um, And that can actually save costs in the long run. You know, if you have to cut the grass every two weeks for the whole of the summer period, that's a lot of lot of time and money, whereas not doing it quite so often can be better for nature and better for people and certainly better for carbon. And what about personally? What, what kind of um, 
Have you changed anything in the last maybe couple of years or maybe has the, the, has the pandemic influenced any kind of uh, things you've done in your own kind of outdoor space? Um, have you spent more time outdoors? What, how's, that, how's that affected you? I mean, I've certainly spent more time outdoors and I've met lots of people too that have spent time outdoors and it's become clear how important the outdoors has been to people during lockdown. And even when we've just been coming out of lockdown, people are still worried about big social gatherings and and all that kind of stuff. And nature offers that sanctuary, that place, that comfortable space to walk with your friends, talk with your friends, meet your family, um, where you're not in a crowded place and, and you can do something lovely together, share something really special together. Um, and, and I think that people have discovered that they've got lots of nature right on their doorstep, round the corner, down the street, up the hill, um, that they didn't actually know was there before. I've discovered a whole new set of walking routes that I, I didn't know were on my doorstep um, just because I've, I've gone and, and, and had a look and, and walked much more than I, I have done in the past. And that's been lovely. Um, and it's made me realise that, um, you know, for most of us, we've got really lovely nature right where we are. We don't need to go a long way. So certainly I'm not going to be hopping in the car as much as I might have done. I'll be more likely to get on my bike or, or, or get, just put my shoes on and, and, and head out the door um, to look at nature really close to where I am. Absolutely. It is right on your doorstep, isn't it? I was actually at a walk with the kids last week and we saw two red deer just along the path from us, which was pretty spectacular, actually. Um, and we've had frogs, we've had mice, we've had all sorts in the garden. So, And even just noticing the seasons a wee bit more as well. So the fern unfurling and, and these kind of things, the wild garlic, all that. Just lovely uh, things that go on. It is, and I think walking the same route helps you notice that, actually. Absolutely, um, yeah. You start to appreciate the subtle changes that are going on um, and, and by walking the, the same sort of network of paths or looking around them locally, you're much more in tune with the seasonality. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and that's something that people can help with. You know, we're always interested. You know, For example, the Woodland Trust do a big project looking at when the first leaves come out, when the first leaf fall happens. So there's lots of things that people can do to help us understand how nature and climate are changing together. Um, so that's a great way. If you're walking around mm. locally, you'll notice those things. You'll think, well, did that happen at the same time this year as it did last? And and by recording some of those things, you can really help us all understand much more about how nature and climate are changing, whether that's for the good or for the bad. Yeah, the other, the other thing I actually noticed um, was the um, non-native uh, invasive, uh, invasive non-native species that we, that I noticed as well. So I reported the 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 Japanese knotweed, the giant um, hogweed, these kind of things that perhaps I had never really noticed before, but actually telling the children and and what they are and why they need to be controlled. But, you know, being able to report them as well was actually, it's quite an interesting kind of educational thing as well. Totally. And I think that, you know, um, for for local authorities and other land managers and conservation organisations like ourselves, the only way that we can... um, do anything about these invasive species as if people tell us because although we've got you know 700 and odd people that work for nature scott we're scattered across the whole of scotland um, we can't possibly cover all of it we really need people's eyes and ears um and, and people know their patches the best 
they're the ones that know how it changes. They're the ones that have seen things that suddenly have arrived that they've not seen before. Um, and and uh, the sooner they tell us, as soon as the, as soon as we know about those things, and then the easier it is to do something about them and and protect our native wildlife, which you know is already under pressure from climate change and and air pollution and um, intensive land use. Um, and invasive species just adds another pressure that um, our native wildlife is trying to deal with. So, yeah, people can help by being our eyes and ears and, and letting us know. That would be great. Yeah, that's great. The other the other one I was going to think of was the red squirrel as well. We've got grey squirrels right on our doorstep here, but just five minutes down the road we've got the reds. You know, so even reporting sightings of red squirrels, everybody can do that. Um, you know, everybody can volunteer in some, some kind of, t- uh, you know, their own time for these kind of things. Totally. And and certainly if you've got children, you just ask them to download the iRecord app and they'll be able to sort it out straight away in terms of loading up the image, the reference, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So you don't need to worry if you're not tech savvy. Um, you just need to find a teenager and they'll soon soon sort you out. But it is really straightforward and really easy. And and that that knowledge and data that we receive is absolutely invaluable it really really helps us um, to make um, good decisions about about which nature where needs we needs our help and debbie is it go the same for slightly less attractive species you know the red squirrel every, who doesn't love a red squirrel so it's a nice iconic one but you know it's slightly less attractive bugs or or, or, or any kind of beetles or, or plants that we should be looking out for well i think that that you know you always think that but it's not until you you stop and look and if you really stop and look, they're actually quite amazing. Um, whether you're looking at a bumblebee, whether you're looking at a beetle larvae. I found a beetle larvae in the garden um, the other day. And um, they're, they're little sort of white little grub things. But actually, when I when, when I stopped and looked, it's actually quite intricate. It's got lots of compartments. It's got You can see where the head is. You can see where the tail is. And it just took me a minute of just observing and watching and 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 realizing that this amazing thing that just looks like a little worm will eventually turn into a beetle that's got a carapace on the outside that's got six legs that's got antennae that you know and what a miraculous thing that is that this little sort of grub thing can more metamorphosize into a, another form that looks completely different um, and and you know, we were talking about soil earlier on. Soil isn't just a physical thing. It contains all these animals um, and all these little plants inside it and fungi. And it's that combination of the physical and the natural that make the soil do such a great job. So, um, so yeah, when, when you see something that's a bit unusual, you know, or, or you kind of do that, oh, oh, it's a little bug, a, a, then just stop for a minute. Have a, have a pause and, and just have a look. And I'm sure you'll be absolutely mesmerized by what you see. Yeah. And anybody who's been doing um, homeschooling with the kids, you know, there, there's the lesson plan for the day right there. Get them outdoors looking at things in the garden. Absolutely. Go outside, dig a little hole, move a plant pot. That's all you need to do. There's a whole raft of stuff just there right on your doorstep um, that, that you can talk about and look at and draw and, and, and find out about its history and, and all sorts of things. Um, measure how long it is, work out the volume of it. I mean, this, you could do maths, music, art, everything, all based around nature. Brilliant. We've got the full cur- curriculum of excellence there, I'm telling you. Um, absolutely. So if you were to advise our listeners maybe what, what kind of are the top top things that, that we, we can all do to help nature, um, what, what are your kind of recommendations that you think are the best things that people can do? Well, I think there's a few things you could, 
you can kind of make space in your life for nature. You know, when you feel like you're too tired and you feel like the day's been too hard, best thing to do is put on your shoes and go out the door and, and walk along the side of the river or up the hill or into the park or wherever it is, you know, because those few minutes in nature will replenish you, will make you feel better, make you feel happier, make you feel able to deal with whatever it is that we're all dealing with in our daily lives. So make some space for nature in your life. Make sure it fits into your day. And then physically make some space for nature, whether that's on your balcony, whether that's on your windowsill, whether that's in your garden, whether that's encouraging the people that look after the business park where your office is, to add in more nature, whether putting a pond in, not cutting the grass as often, planting some trees. There's all kinds of things that we can do um, to, to sort of make space for nature, both in our lives and physically. And, and then the other thing is just thinking about how we live our lives. You know, are there better choices that we can make that are a bit more sustainable? Do you really need to get in the car to go and get that pint of milk? Wouldn't it be better to just walk that half a mile to go and collect it rather than hop in the car? There's just some of those things that I think... They don't seem like big things, but if everybody did them, it'd be a massive thing. And we could all be part of that. We could all be part of that change. And that's a really, people should remember that when they when they put their shoes on to go and walk and get that pint of milk instead of going in the car, that, that they are part of something really big that we are, we are involved in all together. And, and they should be proud of that, that they're contributing. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, we'd really appreciate if you could give it a follow in your podcast app and leave a review or a rating. We'd also love it if you could tell just one other person about it. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.com.